Welcome to Unplug It. It's been a few weeks since we were here, obviously reflecting on the season that was. We saw another team that beat us in the finals go on and win the flag, and that's 11 of the last 16 times we've made finals where that has happened. Uh, Darren Parkin here with Nick Splitter and Aaron McGrath for Unplug It. You may have noticed we have moved. We're now on Captivate under Sportscaster Media. So head to uh, unplugit.captivate.fm and scroll down to the bottom of the page to join the mailing list. You can check out our socials and we'll have a link to that as well. And if you are, if you do join the mailing list, you can go into the draw to win a copy of a fantastic book by a man that we will have to speak to on the podcast at some point. It's the Saints 140-year history book written by Russell Holmesby. Strength through loyalty, Saints at Moorabbin and beyond. And make sure, of course, you follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. The winners will be drawn uh, a couple of Saturdays from now, Saturday the 14th of November. So uh, check that one out. We will jump into the inner sanctum with Aaron Hamill, a St Kilda assistant coach, defensive coach, who was a key part of hub life and part of the other build for the Saints in, in 2020. He'll join us very, very shortly. But, boys, uh, last time we spoke, it was in the build-up to a Richmond final that we knew was going to be a, a tall order. It's, it's a final that I wish we could get again with a full complement of players available. Um, who knows? I mean, Richmond clearly the benchmark side. They proved that by coming from four goals down against Geelong to win the flag. And with their performance against Port Adelaide in the prelim. But when you face a challenge like that, you want to face that challenge with uh, all your ducks in a row and everything to, everything lined up to give yourself the best possible chance. We didn't get that, and it's not an excuse necessarily because Richmond would have been odds-on to beat us anyway, but uh, it would have been nice to get that opportunity with Ryder and with Carlisle and with Long and with Gresham. And obviously, we clearly got stiffed up at the tribunal a little bit as well. But, but Nick, your summation of that, I mean, we were denied a goal on the halftime siren, so that brings it back to a four-goal loss. We hit the post three times in the game, and we missed some sitters as well, and we are only two and a half goals down early in the last quarter. So as much as we were outplayed, we weren't without a chance. We, we were in it for a lot of the game, and um, you know, I, I don't think we were... We, we were probably outclassed more than anything. I don't think we were outworked. You could, you could tell they were having a crack, and they, they went in really hard. But, you know, Richmond are, are now a three-time premiership team in, in the last four years. Um, big bodies. They know exactly what they're doing. They're, they've got their game style down pat. They know where their guys are going to be at any given time. They know exactly what they're meant to do. And they just went out and did it. Uh, we mucked around a little bit. You know, we missed some shots at goal that we should have kicked. And, and you know, like you said, a few of those guys playing, Ryder, Carlisle, Long, etc. maybe the, the result is... If not different, then a little bit closer. I didn't think we deserved to, to lose by five goals. I thought it was more a, a two to three goal difference, except for a, you know, a few minutes towards the end. But um, look, it was a disappointing loss, but understandable for a number of reasons. And, and at, at the back end of a really promising development year. I think it's safe to say that if you want to get, if you're going to be knocked out by someone in the finals, if it's the team who goes on to win the whole thing, you go look, okay. We've come up against the best team. That 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 happens, and yeah, we can only look to next year and go. Okay, that's the team we have to beat. There, they they are the benchmark. What did we do good against them? We beat them early in the year. We know we can beat them. So it's it's just a matter of going. Okay, well that's the that's the game plan we have to find. How do we beat that plan? Because that beats the rest of the rest of the uh, league as well. So if yeah, we, we take things out of that match for sure. So, as Nick say, so many opportunities. It's just 
the inexperience. I mean, you can't you can't go against a team that what they had for the last four years now and sort of go, oh, we should just yeah, it, it's never going to be an easy task. In the last uh, 50 years of St Kilda's finals appearances, we lost to the eventual Premier in 70, 71, 72, 73, 97, 04, 05, 08, 09, 10 and 20. So our only finals appearances where that didn't happen were 91 and 92, 98, 2006 and 2011. So it's the only finals appearances we've had in the last 50 years or effectively apart from 68 since our premiership in 66 where uh where that hasn't happened so yeah i, I guess we we are the key is if you if you are another side or you're listening to this podcast if you beat us in a final uh, it's a pretty good sign that you're going to go on and do something fairly uh, fairly special but one day the wheel will turn back our way but look we, we played what is the first and, and who knows for how long the only final played at Metricon Stadium in mean, the Gold Coast will qualify eventually, but uh, we're a part of that. And, and clearly you know, the Gabba would have been perhaps a better venue for us, but I mean, Richmond showed all through the finals that they found ways to win from any position under any circumstances. And I sense they would have done that against us regardless. They, they, they always found a goal when they needed to, they, they were accurate when they needed to be, they won clearances when they needed to, that they are the benchmark side in the competition. But they're a benchmark side that we had periods of the game where we controlled. So it's, it's a case of uh, where do we where do we turn that into something a little bit more consistent and, and something that can really challenge not just them, but doesn't lead us to drop games against Melbourne and against uh, Fremantle and against North Melbourne that cost us a position in the top four uh, and ultimately cost us a chance. So that's where it's at. But we'll pull all of that apart now with our special guest on the program, Aaron Hamill. It's still rolling. It's getting better. It's getting better. And Sakilda, they're back. The Saints are back in the finals. And what about Geary? He played in that one in 2011. He's been there since 2008. He's done the hard yards. Aaron Hamill joined us on the podcast just prior to round two, St Kilda's first game back from the isolation period first time around. That was at Marvel Stadium against the Western Bulldogs. It was a few weeks later that we would leave Victoria and not play there again for the remainder of the season. It's been over 100 days in hubs and Aaron Hamill was there every step of the way with the Saints as they broke a nine-year finals drought. Sammy, congratulations on the year and thanks very much for joining us. No, pleasure, guys. It's, uh, a lot's happened since round two, hasn't it, since we last spoke. Um, as you mentioned, 100 and, 108 days or something in the hub. Um, but uh, as you said, sort of nine years since we've, we've been fortunate enough to, to qualify. And, and that's our aim, just to keep turning up, keep qualifying. Um, and then to, I guess, the, the progress that we made coming from 14th to, to almost playing off in a prelim, I guess, but, um, but, but, but sort of falling short um, by 30-odd points against the Tigers. But um, overall, um, quite disappointing to go out as, you know, you know in those circumstances and, and, and there's facts and circumstances around it. But, but basically, we, we weren't good enough to get over the Tigers, but... Having said that, um, we, we felt we made some some really good progress and 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 heading in the right direction. But um, I guess under 
underneath all that where we've got a really good understanding. Um, we've had a good solid review, uh, what worked, what didn't, and where we need to get moving um, in, in, in a lot of areas. So uh, really pleased with um, where we ended up, um, but we're, we're certainly well aware that we've got a, a hell of a lot of work to do to, to not only qualify again, but, but mix it with the big boys. How did you full stop the, the Richmond game? I mean, it's an interesting one from, from my point of view. I mean, no Ryder, no Carlisle, no Gresham. Three pretty handy outs against a team like Richmond, given where we might have been able to exploit them. The more I think about the game, you sort of think, well, we, we never really looked like winning it. But at the same time, we weren't that far away. We, we obviously got denied that goal on half time. We effectively lost by four, four and a half goals, somewhere around about that mark. Uh, did the club take away from that thinking there's a gap that we've got to close or was it we're actually not that far away? We missed some shots. We're, we're in yeah, I think, a, I think a bit of both. We, um, we realised that, that um, at our best we can, we can mix it with anyone and I, and I, f- I feel that we, um, we certainly showed that. I mean, back-to-back Adelaide trips was, was a great one. We hadn't won over there for, for a decade, um, let alone doing it. Uh, back to back, and, and we all know where Port finished. Um, we know Adelaide had their challenges, but um, certainly at our best, um, and we and we had glimpses of it. Um, we we certainly didn't expect them to to score from stoppage um, as they did. That that hasn't really been Richmond's go until the finals. So um, you know, without getting probably too technical, fifteen five at a at a centre bounce. You know, you're asking for trouble. So we certainly didn't. Um, I mean, it's quite difficult to plan for that. Um, you know, we everyone knows how Richmond play with that chaos, and and you know, seventy odd percent of their scores are from turnovers. So that that's what you really go to work on. Um, we know that there's such a powerful running side. They're really clean inside. Um, they taught us taught us a little bit of a lesson inside. Um, with how clean they were and taking on the tackler, etc. All, all, all the little things they they do clearly well, and and they've been a very very good side for for a number of years now. So everyone's everyone's chasing them. Everyone's you know well aware of that. Um, and but it's a it's a matter of our personnel and 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 the style of play that suits us. And 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 we feel that um, you know with 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 probably firming up the bookends now with 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 Dougal and. Uh, and obviously Max at the other end, we've, we've, we've certainly got a fair bit of work to go um, in that area, but we feel we've certainly got something to kick to with Max and, and when Rowan and Paddy are sharing the reins there and, and obviously Tim and, and, and the Smalls at the feet with Butler and Loney and Kent Pine down there. Um, so, you know, Gresham was, was sorely missed, obviously, but um, yeah, look, look, we, Longy wasn't there, Carlisle, Ryder, Gresham, um, you know, the list goes on, but we, we, we felt we had opportunities to, to to put scoreboard pressure on. We didn't. They kicked 5-1 in the first. Um, and then we were chasing Taylor all night. So um, we got beat up around stoppage. Centre bounce was was um, put us under enormous pressure from a field position point of view. And then the rest was um, rest was about even. But, uh, um, yeah, they showed they showed us up in a couple of, couple of areas that, that we need to clean up. Sammy, take us back to... The, the time in the hub, we heard other clubs, the stories of, of players, coaches, unhappy and discontent, as, as you'd expect. Um, and, you know, out of other clubs, some, some negative moments and, and things that might have impacted their on-field performance. Didn't seem to be any sort of discontent from St Kilda and, f- and from our boys. Can you tell us what it was like in, in our camp? Um, 
Yeah, well, I think it was a, it was a really good opportunity for our younger guys, well, well the whole list, but our younger guys in particular to to, um, to to keep harnessing their connection that we've that Rats has um, since he's come on board has driven really really heavily. Um, you know, we were very well led from from Simon Lethlean and Matt Finnis. Um, so so from day one, we it was um, we realised the opportunity that we had that we were we were lucky to do what we would. Do. Look, what we were able to do, no one signed up clearly for, for the 100 days, but, um, you know, the club made it as comfortable as what it possibly could. And um, we we really used it just to harness sort of what we started, um, which was that connection, get get to know each other. But it wasn't only just the players to coaches, it was all, all staff involved, um, all the players' partners, some of the staff partners and family were up there. So... Um, you, you, you couldn't buy that experience in terms of getting to know each other and the connection. You're living in each other's pockets, you know, almost 24-7 up there. So um, it, it, um, it, it gave us an opportunity to, to accelerate um, what, what we knew, but um, it, it was perfect um, for our group. We were, we were quite pri- uh, privileged to, to be up there and, and keeping the show running, really. And, and it's not only, um, you know, we kept picking it back to, you know, we're representing hundreds of thousands of, of, our, of our Saints community and Saints family. Um, and if that's the, the price that we had to pay to do it, then, then we were more than happy to, to, to do it. But um, there was, yeah, no, no issues at all. We were, we were well led on and off the field. Uh, the, boys, the boys embraced it. They, were, they, they really enjoyed the experience. Um, some, some in sort of five, six, ten years' time will, will, will realise how um, fortunate they were to, to be up there playing. But, um, yeah, we, we're under no illusions that we, that we re- represented the masses of Saints fans and, 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 and that, was our, um, that was our drive. And um, that, that, that was something that, you know, we, we all cherish and, and, and we all were feeling for the Victorians back home. Um, you know, the Melbournians struggling away. And uh, while we weren't able to, to run our own race up there, we still had, you know, strong protocols to live by. At least we could give our fans back home something to um, to cling on to, you know, whether that be, um, you know, two hours on the weekend. So, so that, that's, that, that was prob- probably a nutshell to, to, to how our group and more, probably more importantly, how our club handled it. Yeah, obviously at the start of the season, you put the team will put a bunch of goals together to get what they want to achieve by the end of the season. Going into the hub, did, did these goals change a lot? Um, did, did did the goalposts, I guess, kind of move a little bit and thinking, okay, well, we we're going to this is going to be a progressive thing as long as the season goes. To okay, we'll achieve this, then we'll achieve this, then we'll achieve this, or and or was there something really set in stone? You're going, yep, no, we we still believe we can do this, or. And, and, how, and how much of that did we look at the end of the season? And go, yep, we, that, that's the sort of area we got to in the end. Yeah, it's a good question. We, um, I mean, if you look at you know round one and we go all the way back there, it was it was probably a blessing in disguise what happened around one. But this year we didn't want to give up the four points, and clearly we were gutted about how we lost being thirty eight points up. So um, we had ten weeks to review that game, so to speak. So. Um, those that have had much much to do with rats or interviewed rats, you know, he's he's pretty dogged with it all in terms of making sure that we we cover all bases uh, as we should. So that didn't sit well with him. It didn't sit well with with the boys. It didn't sit well with the whole club. So uh, it gave us a really good opportunity to to, to review that game 
you know, almost minute by minute um, in every line, every area, every individual. Um, so, so, so that was, as long as we came out of that, that, that period, um, you know, with, with learnings from it, we, we lost four games under 10 points as well. So we, we, um, while we showed some growth, we, it's, it's like every side, you know, you, you, you still got to be able to take the learnings, particularly when you win, but, but, but clearly more so when you lose. And, and that Kangaroos game was, was something that if we could just get this, this component right to start with, then that'll give us a really good basis of, of to grow our, grow our game. Um, you know, we, the type of footy that we want to play in that fast, exciting, attacking footy. So uh, we had to tidy a fair few things up defensively with that. Um, if we want to move the ball quick, then we, we, we've got a good understanding that, you know, it can leave us open a little bit in terms of the, the, the amount of space on the ground to defend. So um, that, that was a strong review. But, but moving forward, it was around about if we can get our game right um, and get our system right more often than the opposition, you know, we, we believe we, we have the talent, although we still want to keep adding to that. We, we, we have the talent and then the growth from the younger players that, um, that, that we saw a number of. We, we, we feel that we're in the mix. Um, and, and that was our aim, just to, just, to, just to keep improving. But when we do, when we do qualify like, we, like what we did, we, we need to keep it being able to generate that belief and... Um, you know, we, we, we competed strongly most of the time. That, that didn't really let us down there. And um, we, we, we felt we improved a lot, but it was, um, it, it, it was all around, you know, we didn't have a goal that we had to finish top four. Or, of course, you, you want to when you, and history tells you that you need, you need to, to, have it, to have a good crack at it. But, um, yeah, our, our aim was just to play the best footy that we can, play that fast attacking brand of footy. But the, the nuances... In, in, and the mechanics of the defence, we, we felt that we had to get right. So we, we felt we did a lot right and we improved in that. But the, the scope, um, when you get to the pointy end, is, is, um, is, is our room for improvement. If we're going to improve, there's certainly reasons you look at guys like Clark, Caulfield, Patton, Marshall, those sorts of players. But the two that I wanted to focus on in particular are different ends of the spectrum, Max King being one, and Brad Hill being the other. Uh, you were obviously a, a leader when Nick Rewalt was coming through as a young key forward and, and you sort of nursed him through. What's the next step for Max in his development? And Brad Hill, I think if we were going to play finals, if you looked at it at the start of the year, you'd assume that he'd finish top six in the BNF. He's finished 11th, 12th, something like that. Yeah. You know, I guess we get the best out of him. I know it's often been spoken about that we perhaps weren't using him as much as we needed to. Um, how do you how do you see the next step for Max, but also for Brad to maximise his game? Yeah, I think first of all with Max, it's um, you know it's bloody exciting what we're seeing, isn't it? I think every Saints fan uh, around the country would, would would love seeing a the number twelve running around, but but really how the number twelve's getting it done. Um, you know, he didn't. He didn't get everything right, you know. He's 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 so young. His development playing, you know, arguably one of the hardest positions on the ground, and and, and a lot of ball went to Max. Um, so we've got to we we probably got to be a bit more unpredictable in that. But um, a, a lot of footy was channeled through him. Um, now Max either marks the ball or he gets it to the ground. Hence why we scored so many goals from zero to fifteen out. So he, he's a great target for us. He's only going to develop. Um, even more as he continues to have more pre-seasons um, and, and gets to understand, A, his body even more, the game plan and 
and and himself and the belief. So he's he's got an enormous drive. He's he's self driven. Um, he, he's committed. He's such a pro at such such a young age. Very very similar to Nick. Um, he's got that work ethic, um, and and what comes with that is just his belief. And as soon as he gets, um, you know, a bit more bit, bit more muscle around him. You know, we we see tall, you know, marking forwards. We saw Hawkins the year that he had, but the age that say Hawkins is to, to, to Max, we think we think his development is um, has been really good. He's doing fantastic work with with Brendan Lay, the forwards coach, and and Ruffy Jared's been really good for him, um, teaching him the tricks of the trade and when to use his body and um, you know pr- probably more so when to relax and then when to turn on a bit so he's going to be in the game for a long long time Max um, we hope that he's you know a 15 year player um, for, for the St Kilda Footy Club and we we, we can't um, be, be probably rap- more happier than how we developed this year but the, um, the you know the, the, the old second year Blues he doesn't want to be part of that he's he's um, He's just a system out at a young age. You know that he knows that he's he's not really interested in, and he's got a good understanding of not his, uh, you know, really his draft pick. But but he wants to mirror that up with his work ethic that that I saw with Nick at such a young age, and we sort of we we've got a good understanding when Nick finished. So um, certainly not saying that he's going to be you know, as decorated as as Nick, but he's certainly on the right path, and and, and we like what we're seeing. Um, uh, Brad, um, it's not easy at his age changing clubs. Um, we felt that he, he, while externally, probably didn't have the impact that, that we would have liked. There were some games we wanted to get his hands more dirty, and no doubt about that. But um, the way that he's embraced the club, um, you know, he's fantastic with, with the connection and the younger guys on and off field. Um, he, he, he's only going to get better as he as he goes on. I think if you look at wingmen all all over the comp this year, you know, gone are the gone are the days where West Coast and Collingwood were getting four hundred possessions, you know, and 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 Gaff's getting his thirty plus or Phillips from Collingwood. The conditions up there were probably as as what you see were a bit slippery. A lot of games at eighty percent of our games were at night, a little bit slippery, a little bit dewy. We were averaging about two hundred and seventy possessions. So the um, the, the 25 plus, the 30 plus, but it was more his, his dynamic run, his decision making, his his um, his kicking, clearly his 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 A grade. So so we want we want the ball in his hands more, um, and 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 we feel that he's going to have a strong influence over our group with his experience um, for a number of years. So yeah, we we, we feel that he'd be he'll be much better for, for for the year that he's had and the seasons that he had. It's not easy coming into a new club and and putting your feet under the desk straight away and getting used to it. It, it, it takes time and both ways. How does, how, how does our, our team sort of get Brad in, in, involved in the game more and, and how can Hilly get himself involved? It, it, it takes time to gel. Sammy, our goal kicking seemed to improve markedly this year from previous years. Can you put it down to one particular thing that changed or was it uh, part of the reason that, that you know we managed to, to get a whole lot more extra shots from that 10, 15 metre mark that, that you mentioned earlier? And if so, what was it in the game plan that changed to make that possible? Yeah, yeah. What, what, what do you think it was, Nick? Do you reckon it was where we were having the shots from? 100%, we 100%. Yeah. Something, that I've, something that I've looked at and, and analysed most, most of the year, to be honest. But um, yeah, I mean, the, obviously the, the easier shots are, the more likely you're going to kick them. And you'd rather have shots from 20 out directly in front than on the boundary. 
Yeah, I think we were just under 60%, so a significant improvement from, from the year before, wasn't it? Um, and the year before that. So, um, look, we, 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 felt, we, we felt that we, we, we attacked um, in the right areas for, for, for most of the year. It was also um, the ability to, to share the ball once we got that mark inside 50 and that secondary mark helps. Um, but clearly, if we can funnel, funnel that footy in, to, to to max quick or, or our tall targets, we you know we average sort of just under ten marks a game there, so that's that puts us in the in the top bracket as well. But our grand ball grand ball and pressure is pretty strong as well. So um, we weren't going as wide as much. Stats will tell us that, uh, and 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 in particular the the where we were having the shots that zero to thirty um, was 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 a great result for us. So. Um, what, why we don't want to be so predictable all the time. We need to get that balance around when we go quick. And if it's Max one-on-one, on, one on one, we take that. Same as Tim, Rowan, Paddy, uh, John O'Marsh when he's down there. You know, we'll, we'll take that and we'll, we'll back our talent in. Um, and then more importantly, we'll, we'll, be able to, we'll be able to get the ground level support where we need it. So... Which, which of the players do we think we need to build units for at Moorabbin and only allowed to take a bus to Marvel or to the airport? Who really took on the hub life best? <laughs> yeah, well, we had a few bus trips, didn't we? we um, it was a three-hour bus trip down to Metricon um, and then a, then a two-hour sort of little hop down to, to Brizzy. So we, we, um, we got a good understanding of what bus, um, getting on a bus is like. Um, at times, the coaches were able to uh, sort of scoot down in a little minibus, so that that was that that was good. Depending on who who was on the tunes, that that was always made or broke the trip. Um, so generally, I took uh, I took the reins there and didn't let too many down. But um, um, yeah, that, that that was good fun. But but yeah, look, I wouldn't say. Um, I mean, there was there were times when when it was a struggle. You know, there was times when we'd still win, but. Um, you know, we still had we still had issues, whether it was, you know, family back here for some, or um, really sort of involved in a hub where the where the boys, particularly early days, where they couldn't couldn't get out um, and and really do their own thing. So um, it's been well documented around teams that did struggle with it, and I think certain players have come out and said that they that they didn't cope. Um, but but we had really good support. You know, we're, we're really lucky. We have Tony Brown in our welfare space, who's, who's just a gun in that area. Uh, ben Robbins with our sports psych, um, you know, and, and, and all our coaches are, are so diligent and, and thorough in what they do. So their relationship with the players is, is first and foremost, foremost. And then we had, I guess, the, 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 the whole staff support, you know, supported by a medical team and, 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 and whatnot. And high performance did a great job. Our injury... Um, our injuries, I guess, were, were were significantly low, apart from you know, I guess, Hanover and Webster's hamstring. So, and, and then Gresham's back at the end. So we didn't um, we didn't have really any significant hiccups, but but at times it was a battle, and um, I guess that that's just sort of part and parcel where where the the four day breaks were. Were, were solid and tested the boys out. Now uh, tested everyone out. Really, what you know the boys do best. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say there was there was too many that 
that significantly struggled with it. But uh, by the end of it, the boys the boys adapted well. Um, Sammy, what's the latest on Paddy Ryder and his injury, and any news on Jake Carlo? Uh, Paddy's going well. He, his operation was a was a success. It was quite a lengthy one, but he but he got through that well. He's he's well on his way to, to rehab now, and his rehab program that. Uh, our high performance will f- facilitate well with him. Um, you know, he's he's really diligent in how he goes about it. He's had a really good taste of, of finals footy now and, and he's got a good understanding of his influence over the group and how important it is to us. So, um, yeah, we look forward to getting him back. He's not uh, The five pluses aren't back till first week of June, so they've got a bit of time. But in saying that, he's he wants to make sure that he does his rehab right. Um, he's in Melbourne now, so he's he's um, he's in good hands here. As far as Jake goes, um, and as far as I'm aware, there's a contract on the table there for Jake. He's a he's a critical part for us. Um, we know that he's a he's a terrific defender for us. He's got a lot of attributes that um, at his best that we like. So I wouldn't have thought that'd be too far away. And do we know of anyone else who's going to be? possibly missing a little bit of pre-season, going in for anything to clean up, or is it all looking quite good at the moment? Real fit list, just those couple of niggles that we we, we need to get over and we get yeah, straight into yeah, it. Yeah, pretty pretty fit list. Um, you know, obviously Gresh is um, coming back from from his back, but but um, all reports he's going really well. He's, he's well and truly, you know, um, into his middle, sort of coming to the end of his rehab program. So that'll be... That'll be um, That'll be quite steady there with with Jade. There'll be no hurry to, to get him moving straight away. But um, you know, we, we got a bit of time there with Jade and and you know, we just got to make sure it's such a it's a significant injury. So you've got to give it the respect that it deserves. And when he's right, he'll um he'll hit hit the track running. He's um he's one that loves preseason Jade, so I'm sure you'll um you'll look forward to get back back there running. Um but apart from apart from that, um we we all got I mean that they are quite significant, both Paddy and and Jade. So so that's probably enough for us um, to 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 carry and and get right. But uh, the rest was a couple of little niggles that that there's no real real issues with. So we um, fingers crossed the boys come back well and fit and and hungry and committed again and and, and away we go. Sammy, I think Jack Steele kind of break out last season and obviously took another step forward this season. Um, in terms of the way that he handled himself on the field, um, but also it seemed like off the field as well, obviously, you know, awards nights and, and that sort of stuff. Um, do you get the sense that he's ready to take on more of a leadership capacity next season? I think a lot of the fan base was surprised that he wasn't in the leadership group coming to this season. Yeah, it's a sense I get. Um, it is. It's. Um, I mean, it's. It, it, it's just a really good story with, with with Jack. I mean, what what you see is what you get with him. He's um, he's such a humble, driven bloke that um, you know he's he's outstanding in what he does. Um, clearly on field, we know how good he is on field and what he does and the steps that he's that he's taken this year. You know, third in the Brownlow, best and fairest all Australian. You know, he had an outstanding year. Um, which is, uh, I guess, what you guys saw, but but he, he really took some really, um, some big steps with his develop development in leadership. He was he was in the meetings often, um, you know. He's he really um, he leads by action and and you know very similar mould to say Robert Harvey and um, you know the, the greats that I played with, you know Lenny Hayes and you know even you sort of Stephen Kernahan and Craig Bradley those types and um, he's. 
you know, he's the feeling I get that he's he, he enjoys his leadership role. He's, he's got an understanding of the responsibility with it. Um, but having said that, Jaron Geer, he's, um, he's done an outstanding job and he did a terrific job this year. Just the, just the roles that you could see that he was playing um, has, has, has probably got, given everyone a good understanding around the character of the guy and, and what he's prepared to do for the for the footy club. So um, while, while there's others that are coming through with, with, with certainly leadership qualities and Dougal's another one of them that um, Jack, we, we felt took some really big steps in that, in, in that area. And um, it's something that he'll only get better at um, whether or not he, he wants to aspire to be a captain. I don't know. That's something Jack would have to comment on, but um, yeah, I, I get the feeling that he's, that he's certainly, um, he, he's embraced the, the leadership role and, and he knows that the responsibility that he has. Yeah. Now, how do we look at next year? Do we put this year down as a as a benchmark and think, okay, we know what we can achieve. This is where we think we should now be able to be at that sort of level and jump from there, kind of thing. Do do we look at other uh, like sort of players and go, okay, that that's the player who's going to take us to that next level again after this season? Uh, is, is there anyone we look at particularly to go, yep, okay, that's, they're, they're the next ones we're going to step up after, as Nick was just saying, with, with Jack Steele lifting so much this season? Is there someone else who's next, we think? Going yeah, to do well, well the, the majority of our growth or, or our, I guess uh, um, the, the level of our performance is all, always going to come from growth within. I mean, you can only inject so many per year um, and even then they can be quite young and, and immature, I guess, physically. So, so the expectation um, shouldn't, we shouldn't sit on those shoulders. It's, it's certainly the growth within. You know, we, we expect, you know, clearly Nick Caulfield, um, who had a great year, fifth in the BNF, um, we, we expect him to keep getting better. In my opinion, working close, closely with him this year with the backs was that he's just scratched the surface around where he's going to end up in, you know, three, five, ten years' time. Uh, whether that's more time in the midfield, who knows? But um, he, he's just scratched the surface. We need him to get better. You know, we, we need him to come back really dog hungry and, 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 and wanting to improve along with Long and Patton and, and Clark. If he wants to take that next, next step into the midfield, then he's, he's got a good understanding of what he, what he, what he needs to do to, to mix it with those guys. So the, the, certainly the growth, we feel Wilkie's going to get better, Howard's going to get better up the other end. Yeah, we know that Max is going to keep improving. Um, Tim's going to hold his end of the bargain up and, and, and clearly the dynamic um, within the midfield is, is is something that um, you know we need to get right. The mix in there, we've got some really experienced heads, um, and and they're only going to get better the more that they play with each other. You know, in terms of the the minutes that they that they get into each other and, and got a good understanding. So um, yeah, I, I definitely feel that it's the growth within. Everyone needs to lift and and, and perform if we want to not only just qualify, but but we need to get moving in all the right directions, uh, in, in the right direction with every phase of our game. You know, our contest needs to get better. Our hands in tight, our, our ability to defend quicker and stronger for longer. Um, and, and and our offence can, t- can, t- can take, um, you know, we need, to, we need to fine-tune that a bit. So so all phases of the game, we need, to, we need to get moving because just because we played in the finals this year doesn't give us any right at all for, for 2021. We've got to do the hard work. We've got to, we got, we got a lot of... Uh, you know, I guess we've got a lot of, from out of our review, we've, we've got some some themes that we need to get working on. And um, 
sooner we, sooner we can get back. Um, we get the boys back sort of the, the first of four years, fifth and sixth of December. Um, I'm not too far off that. So we'll get them back. We'll we'll train them up well. We'll um, they'll be in their own habitat, so to speak, and um, we'll, we'll go from there. But it, but it, it's exciting. The same supporters that I speak to are. Um, are really looking forward to 2021, and and you know the the last thing that we want to do is is um, is regress and and sort of be a flush in the pan side. We've we've worked too hard for that to happen, but again, we've got to earn the right to to qualify and earn the right to win games of footy. We'll let you go shortly, mate. Apologise for keeping you so long, but uh, last last one from me. Um, Paddy McCartan, as someone who's been through their fair share of footy injuries, how do you feel on a potential return for Paddy and? As someone who's both played footy and coached footy and coached this man in particular, any any words for for Shane Savage? Um, Shane Savage, in what regard? Well, I think Rats kind of announced after the after the game against Richmond that he was probably going to move on, and there was some interest from from some other clubs. And and uh, I guess from a club perspective, um, you know what, what we'd like to say to, to Shane for for his service. Yeah, that's news to me. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard that much. So I, I probably can't. Interesting. Yeah, I probably can't come on in that. I'll have to listen to Rats' press conference. I, um, yeah, that's that, that's news to me, and that'll come as a surprise, um, given the conversations that we've had. But I'll leave that one alone. Um, Paddy's, um, yeah, look, Paddy's a he's a terrific young man, and 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 I know I've been involved with him. I guess the last, um, or clearly the last five years, but 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 in more particularly the last six months and seen him close up and seen how, how uh, committed he is. You know, he looks, he looks fit, he's happy, he's healthy. Um, he, he's, he's really committed uh, to, to getting the best out of himself and to keep putting his case forward, um, whether that's in conversations with St Kilda Footy Club, uh, whether or not it's, you know, with other clubs, um, I'm sure he's working through that. But my conversations with him and, um, is that it'll all take place in the next week or so, a couple of weeks apparently. So um, whether that is is that at footy club, we just at the Saints or whether it's another club, who knows? Um, I hope it's with the footy club. If not, he'll um, he'll you know he'll the, given the character of the guy and, and and how committed he is to get the best out of himself, I'm sure he'll he'll uh, he'll bob up somewhere and and we'll all look on. But uh, no, we wish him well. Paddy, um, whether it's uh, again with us or someone else, we're, we're, we're not quite sure yet. But um, let's hope that he's he uh, gets a good run with it because he's um, he's one that's uh, got a heap of talent. Um, you know, early, early days he was he, he, he was he was playing some good footy for the Saints. So we'll uh, we'll see where that one lands. Sammy, uh, we've always been on the hunt for uh, for sponsors on this program. Program, I can tell you, Vodafone won't be one of them. They've been a bit of of a pain in the backside over the course of the evening. But uh, we appreciate, we've stretched the relationship pretty far tonight. We appreciate you uh, sticking with us for as, as long as you have, and particularly when you're on leave and on a public holiday as well. So uh, thank you very much. Well done on the year. I think a lot to be proud of, a lot to build on, and thanks for giving us some uh, insights from the Inner Sanctum. Thanks, Parker. So when you're off air, mate, we all, um, you're, one of your Chris Kringles, mate, will be a new modem. So let me know where I can... Uh contribute to that boys and more yeah, just, just another right. mouse for the wheel will be yeah. enough he's uh he just took a break had to give him some more cheese he's back on the bike but uh he'll uh he'll be all, uh he'll be busy for a while but uh but thank you mate and uh good luck for 2021 uh, pleasure boys anytime thanks for having me again
Aaron Hamill joining us there. We'll continue our season review. Great to get the insights from from him. And I guess a thought on McCartan before we look at some of that. I know he spoke on it a little bit, Nick. And uh, I would never be one. People people are in control of what they want to do. And, and Paddy McCartan, if he gets the medical law clear and firmly believes that he still has something to give at AFL football, then I would never be one to stand in his way. People should pursue whatever they want to pursue. But the one thing that I can never escape when I think about the Paddy McCartan situation is no matter how healthy he may be, no matter how well he may feel, uh, football is a ballistic contact sport. And I always think of situations like the Jordan Lewis concussion at Docklands against the Bulldogs, uh, Jonathan Brown's head clashes at the Gabba late in his career. Uh, Simply by playing football, there is a chance that something like that can happen to you. It's just the nature of the game. So I'm just fearful for what happens to Paddy if he just cops something like that one more time or 20 years from now, 30 years from now, if he starts to develop situations you know, mentally and, and the like. So I uh, would never begrudge him that opportunity, but I'm, but I'm deeply, deeply concerned, I guess, by the prospect of, of Paddy playing AFL football. Yeah, and, and that's, that's the worry, isn't it? I mean, like you said, you'd, you'd never never begrudge a guy following his dream, and, and quite clearly, and, and for all the, the flack that he copped earlier in his career when people said that he wasn't having a crack and he might be lazy or not not giving in the required effort, this guy clearly, dearly wants to play AFL football and, and has always wanted that, and this is his dream. So, so, you know, you can't expect to just take that away and the guy to just live happily ever after. I mean... He may, he may live happily ever after, and, and fingers crossed, that's that's what we all want for him. And if he gets to play AFL footy again, and, and hopefully, you know, for his sake, that's what he wants to do, and, and hopefully he gets to do that. But like you said, that concern is is the long-term issues that, that may occur from another head clash. He might not even need another head clash for, for some of those things to, to happen. We just don't know enough about head injury and brain injury. And we saw... We saw what happened to, to Cozzy and, and Cozzy, it, it effectively ruined his career, even though he went on to play for a, a fair period of, of time after that. Um, he was never the same after that head clash. We, we've seen it with a number of a number of players and we've seen it with guys at the end of their career um, and, and we felt it deeply, you know, this time last year with, with Spud Frawley. And, and the last thing I think that we'd all want to see is, is another occurrence of... of football head clash and brain injury having long-term emotional, mental impact and anguish on a guy that, you know, all, all we want to see is be happy. And the other side you got to look at it now too is, I mean, Paddy can come up and get all the reports he wants and everything and go, yeah, I'm good to go. A team then needs to go, okay, we're going to give you a chance. So whether we are, going to have a look at him, giving him that opportunity or something. It's going to be a factor that the teams will want to do it at the minimal risk factor possible. So it's basically going to be saying to him, look, if you're playing, it's going to be on a minimal contract. It's going to be, you might even only be backup. So he's possibly going to be stuck playing VFL or something as well. So, or in the, the new league that's just been formed. So it's, it's a real a long path he's going to have to get through just to get back into playing again. Um, but yeah, as you say, if if he goes, everything is fine. He's got all the reports. He's got all that sort of stuff. Why why wouldn't 
someone take that risk if they can get it for that minimal, minimal contract and minimal, um, just just the minimal risk possible. It's he, he could come back and be an absolute star. You just don't know, but um, like whether we take it, I don't know. Do we have a? Do we have the position? Do we go? Okay, look, it might be a more of a backup thing and a bit of a, I guess, sentimental move at the same time. Or does he go to a Sydney who are down and they add a little bit, need maybe another forward, and go? All right, well, it, we're possibly not doing much next season, so. Let's give it a go. It's yeah, going to be a really interesting, really interesting path for him. Sydney and Carlton are the two that we hear a lot about. Obviously, his brother plays for the other Swans and he's a pretty good player. So they're the two that we sort of hear a, a little bit about. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating. Either way, we, we certainly wish him all the best. I know Cosie spoke pretty strongly about it on SCN a, a couple of weeks ago. But we put the, the full stop on the season, a season of a, a lot of progress. Obviously, there were plenty of players that, that took a step forward. Even though Marshall relinquished part of his ruck responsibilities, he, he continued to develop as a player. Caulfield, terrific. Patton, terrific. Clark, terrific. Uh, Butler, outstanding. Howard, outstanding. They finished top three in a BNF, both of those guys. Jones was, was really big for us. Ryder was really big for us as well. Um, I think on the... The two sides of the coin for me that if you're looking at potential improvement, but at the same time, if you wanted to look at uh, criti- critically, the, the guys that sort of stood out to me, as, as good as it was to see Clark and, and Caulfield and Patton finish top 10 in the best and fairest, if you had a set at the start of the year that Billings would finish 11th, Hill would finish 12th and Memory would finish 14th, you would have thought we might struggle. They only missed one game between them, those three players. So I think if we're looking for the best possible outcome for St Kilda. We need those three players to finish in the top 10 in our best and fairest memory for the support he plays around King. But, but Hill and, and Billings for their ball use, uh, Aaron Hamill spoke a little bit about it, about the way the game was played in Queensland with those wingmen and those types of players perhaps being stifled a little bit by the, the conditions. But if we get back to playing at Marvel on a regular basis next year and touch wood, the, the COVID situation suggests that's likely. Um, then hopefully we see the best of those guys using their outside abilities to, to carry us forward. But, but H, what was your main takeaway on the year? We had a lot of guys that took us forward and certainly guys that can help us improve. You'd imagine Max only get better. Yeah, gen- well, generally you put your yeah, most improved down to one player, but I, I'd almost put that core back group as their most improved. The, the, the unit together just works so well. And that's only going to get better and better and better as they play with each other week in, week out. Um, Basically, what's our old... Jay Carlisle would have been our oldest defender. The rest, absolutely no experience between them when you look at it, at the core numbers. They're only only a few years into their their, um, careers each. So just, just looking at how they've work together how they've built this back group it's just looking ahead going this this group is going to be fantastic if we keep it together um but in saying that you build from there and then you move forward the the midfield's picked up the like they got stronger they're getting more of the ball they're using it better again after last season the the usage is getting better and our forward line's only getting stronger again as well so it's yeah i mean 
it's just looking forward to next season. You, it was, we got excited going into 2020. Well, 2021, you know, you're sort of sitting here again going, this is going to get even more exciting, I think. It's um, get another year where our injury list keeps quite low. We get, I mean, we're always going to have an injury here and there. But, yeah, I mean, there's, you can't not sit there and go, this, this group is going to do something special one day. I mean, it's it's one of those things where everything. I mean, footy's not linear, right? We can sit here and say we expect that these kids are going to take another step forward, and they're going to be even better next year. And and ideally, that's what we all want to see. But we know it doesn't. It's it, it never works as simply as that, especially at St Kilda. Nothing is ever simple. Nothing is ever easy. And and we're never, you know, we're, we're never just that little bit lucky enough to to take that next step really well. Um, but you look at those kids and not only are they you know, really good footballers, but they seem like really good human beings. They seem like really good trainers. They seem like they have really good work ethic and the want to get better. And then you, you add in who I think is really the X factor of this footy club in Brett Ratton and his ability to bring this group together. And, and we spoke to Sammy about the fact that the, the guys seemed so close and there was not even a whisper of discontent up in the hub um, in Noosa compared to, to other clubs, especially, but these, these kids and this group as a whole looks so gelled and looks so together that it, it's hard to see how the, the kids aren't going to take that next step. Um, and like you guys mentioned, King, Clark, Caulfield, Patton, Wilkie's not old, you know, Wilkie's essentially a kid. He's 24. Um, and, and some of these other guys, Butler is also really young. Um, Brad Hill, he, he's not old. You know, he's still got four or five good years of footy left, as do a, a lot of our list. Um, so th- there's a lot of improvement still to come. And I think, you know, we, we were competitive in a lot of our games, even if we didn't ultimately win them. You know, you look at, at round one, North Melbourne, round six, Fremantle, round 14, Melbourne. Um, you know, there are only probably two games all year that we weren't competitive. And those two games are not that we didn't have a crack. It's just that we weren't good enough against Collingwood and, and Geelong and potentially to a point West Coast. But, you know, some of these these games that we, we dropped, we should have won. And then you look at, at Brisbane, we should have beaten Brisbane. Um, you know, the, the, the development, that next step is not that far away. And our, if you look at it critically, it's that, I think it's the mental aspect more than anything, the ability to stand up to pressure, um, and, and I think those are the things that come with time and age and maturity and strength, not so much the skill factor, which we know has already in, in improved incredibly. Um, and I think it's that mental aspect that's the, the next step for us. And, and um, I think with, with guys like Brett Ratton and, and Simon Lethlead and Matt Finnis at the helm of the club and then the, the next year down with Brendan Laid and Aaron Hamill and guys that have done it and been leaders and won finals and... Um, you know, we're in a, a very good position to take that next step next year. I look at the, uh, the, the not so much the votes from the, the semi-final, but we might see what it all means in the, the best and fairest for, for us anyway. And Paige, it's not going to differ too much from, from what the club did. I think Jack Steele won the, the club best and fairest by a mile, almost a double double job on the uh, those that came second and third in Howard and um, Butler. 
and he's done very similar with uh, with ours as well. I think a, a 54-vote victory over uh, was Zach Jones that came second. Uh, yep, yep. Um, and I was well, calculating earlier if um, second, third and fourth put their votes together, Jack still beaten by a vote. It was just, just an out-and-out standout season. Um, but I, all, all these players that he has beaten, they, they all supported him all season. It's not that they didn't do the job, just he stood out so high as a leader of the team, as basically showing the way that this is this is where the club's going. This is what we want to do. He I, he wants to lead the club and say, oh, this is where I want to be. Um, yeah, so basically, as we're saying, Jack's won it on 87 votes. Uh, Zach Jones in second on 33. Marshall, 27. For top three. Then we've gone down to Butler, Billings, Clark, Gresham, uh, Ryder, Hill, and Caulfield as our top 10. So, as you say, very similar to what the actual club votes were. Um, so, it's a it basically, I think it seemed to have panned out um, as you say, with the votes of being the same sort of thing. It, sort of, it, it made sense as what the top 10 best players were um maybe howard i think yeah. could have snuck in a few more here and there um it's just yeah. just the different voting system that makes a bit of a difference at times so the players not getting votes for games where they're pretty good and um but overall it's yeah we have an absolute runaway winner uh also probably worth part of the reflection on the year nick discussing best wins worst losses we sort of mentioned it in conversation a little bit but of all events, the elimination final was the one that probably felt the best, but I think our best win, even though we beat the reigning premiers, was, was Port Adelaide. Um, just the, the nature of that victory was outstanding. And did any loss in particular stand out? The two that hurt the most, even lost, and the West Coast loss, because the West Coast loss looked like it was going to cost us a spot in the finals. And we had a chance to seal that game with about eight minutes to go. But, um, yeah, the Melbourne loss was, was pretty hard to take as well. Yeah, I think my, my three best wins, I think, were, were Port Adelaide, same as you. I think that, that Port game really showed um, the rest of the AFL that we were legitimate. And, and it showed the boys, it showed our own team, our young team, that they were legitimate and they could compete. And Port were top of the ladder. They were unbeaten to that stage, I think, or maybe just one loss. Um, by round eight, and uh, and we rolled them on their own turf, and that was a, a huge win for, for our consciousness. I think um, obviously the, the final against the Bulldogs was was a massive win, our first final win in, in a decade. Um, but the other one, it turned out to be a relatively easy win. But that round eighteen clash against the Giants, yeah. again, was was really the 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 full stop on on our season. Um, we needed to win that. We needed to win it well. Uh, it, it really put an exclamation mark on, on, on the season. And, you know, even in, in some of our other wins, we played really well, but we hadn't put a team away and we hadn't put a team away for a long time. And, and it was just really nice to see, you know, it's been a long season um, and to, to really rubber stamp our place in the finals, that, that Giants win was hugely important. Worst losses, I mean, where do you start? There was that round one debacle against North Melbourne, 38 points down, Sammy alluded to it earlier. Um, that it may have been a blessing in disguise. I don't know. You never want to lose a game of footy, and, and especially after being six goals up. Um, but that round six game against Fremantle was the one for me. It was 
it's just such a demoralising win. We, we played some really good footy up to that point. Um, you know, we had had a couple of really good wins and for us to play like we did in the first quarter against Fremantle and then just bottle it for the rest of the game and, and that, that last quarter was just a debacle. Um, and there's not much more I want to say about it because I want to forget it, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'll forget it for a, for a while. I think it'll always be in the, in the back of my mind whenever we're five or six goals up um, early in, in a game that it's never quite over. But that was, I think that was the year's worst loss for me. What, H, would you agree? Um, as you, you're saying that round one game was a bit of a blessing in disguise. Um, the club were actually calling the round six game almost a, a wake-up call. And then mm. I, I'd go as far as saying our best win, I'd almost combined round seven and round eight in Adelaide together as our best win. That that two-week, well, not not two-week period, it was like, what, five days or six, six <laughs> days or whatever it was. Two wins in Adelaide, something we hadn't done for mm. a long time. Combine those together. That, that that is our absolute best part of the season. Looking at it, looking back at it. Um, I mean, if we'd beaten Adelaide in at the Gold Coast and then go on the Port and beaten Port down there, I mean, Port would still be a great win. But to do it twice as we did, it, it was massive. Um, Adelaide weren't great, but it, it's a huge thing that sort of gave, gave the team a bit of a kick along. Going, hey, look, have a look at this. We're, we're achieving things we haven't done f- for a long, long time there. Yeah, that was the crossroad moment, I think. We were three and three, horrible loss to Frio. Um, I remember having an emotional tweet after that game against Fremantle, thinking our season was cooked um, just because of the nature of the loss. It was our first week in the hub, so you're like, oh, they're going to be away from home for months. They just had a complete implosion on field. They go into a city where they never win. Uh, I thought it was a disaster, but they a mature win against Adelaide where the, the umpiring was extraordinary. And then um, obviously the win over Port Adelaide was brilliant. And they backed that up by flogging Sydney and then had the, the hard-fought win over the Gold Coast. So, yeah, that that month really did show maturity, I think, as the uh, as the standout eight. So, I think, yeah, that, that combined fortnight, and it was a five-day break too. So, it was two games in six days, if you will, that, that really did turn the tide for us. Uh, before we get to some of our listener questions, I guess we look at what's happening next. And uh, obviously, this podcast is recorded and then edited up and, and in the hours in between, these things can change. We know that we put an offer to Brad Crouch and lodged the paperwork. The Crows had 72 hours to respond to that. That should run out uh, in the next probably 24 hours from this recording. Brad Crouch, at the time of this recording, has asked or, or urged Adelaide to accept the offer so he can leave as a free agent so it doesn't get messy. And my gut feel is that it might go that way because... If they decide to match the offer and we walk away, they have to keep him or they have to pay him, one or the other. So you think at the end of the day they still want him gone. I thought they were doubted a little bit Adelaide in compensation. Um, I, they were never going to get picked through, but I thought 23 was a bit harsh. But hopefully they take that uh, and we don't have to pay anything to get Crouch over. Um, McCurney- I mean, the other, the, correct me if I'm wrong, but the other alternative is that he refuses to sign this matched contract at Adelaide and goes into the draft pool, right? Correct. As I an uncontracted player, so that's which still, you know, this even if they match and we walk away from the trade table, doesn't mean that it's necessarily over, but it does make it a bit harder. It does. He would have to nominate probably for the preseason draft only, and then we would have a handful of clubs ahead of us, and, and we would have to hope that 
Uh, and generally players don't take players or clubs don't take players that have committed elsewhere. So I sense he'd probably get to us anyway, but unless other clubs spoke to his manager and said, we'll pay you exactly what St Kilda's paying you if you come to us, and, and that might, might twist his arm. But hopefully it goes smoothly. McKernan's a good backup option. I, I sort of consider that to be an upgrade on an insurance policy and that our current insurance policy, we pay a premium and we get Jonathan Marsh. Um, we're paying effectively the same premium and getting Sean McKernan. And with all due respect to Marsh, McKernan played 80 or 90 games at the AFL level, has had probably more influential games at, at AFL level. So you kind of paint that as the Richmond final example where Ryder doesn't play, McKernan comes in instead of Marsh. That's effectively what you're looking at there. It uh, looks likely we'll get Jack Higgins, who was a lifelong Saints fan. Um, but all the Ben Brown stuff sort of died down. He'll go to Melbourne. But that's kind of where it's looking for us in the off-season. It'll be reasonably busy, but, but James Gallagher's made no secret of the fact that we won't be quite as busy as we were last year. Um, and I'm hoping that's because they're saving some coin to, to go after one Ben King in 12 months' time. That's that's the hope, isn't it? I mean, there's there's all this talk about Adam Trelaw, but that seems to be coming from the fan base and not from yeah. the club. Um, you know, I, I, I get the feeling that we're, we're just not interested or that... It's not that we're not interested in his in him as a player. It's that because we have other plans, um, and like you said, I, I hope that one of those plans is is Ben King um, in another year or so. Because you know the 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 idea of Max and Ben either bookending um, the, the field or having one at full forward and one at centre half forward is just I mean it's mouthwatering, isn't it? The, that potential opportunity if if that ever comes. But you're right about McKernan. I think that if you had to choose a guy to come in and play backup ruck and, and backup forward. If you had to choose between Sean McKernan and, and John O'Marsh, I mean, Marsh is a good, honest battler and, and he put the work in when he when he was required. But if you had to choose the better footballer, I mean, Sean McKernan seems a more natural footballer than uh, than John O'Marsh. And, and I think I'd prefer him coming out of the goal square or or in the centre square than, than John O'Marsh. Um, so for me, like you said, it's, it's, it's a good insurance policy. Hopefully... He never has to play a game, and he's you know a bit of the, the Sam Rowe kind of guy. Maybe he comes in for a game at the end of the year if nothing to nothing to gain. But um, you know, hopefully we, we're fine with Ryder and Marshall and and some other guys pinch hitting if those if those guys need a rest. But yeah, it's totally a, a, an insurance policy. Yeah, I'd be sad to see Marsh go. Um, his determination, it's just brilliant, but. If his skill was as big as his um, determination is the game, he'd be a brilliant footballer. Um, it, it, it just doesn't have that same skill to match. I mean, he did some really, really nice things during the season. Um, a couple, of, I think it was uh, against. Try remember which game it was. It was against, but he won the ball three times in the forward line when he he never should have got the ball. He, he threw himself in there, got it, got it out. To our uh, back out to our advantage again, that sort of thing. He showed he could do it, but it just wasn't. It's just not consistent enough. That uh, that's basically his only problem. Um, so, McKernan, as you say, yeah, showing a few things. Um, uh, reserves, hopefully, actually play next year. So it'd be good to get him having the players fit, ready to come in if we need them. Um, but otherwise. Yeah, uh, I, I don't see much more, um, much more need for any other positions in insurance unless someone does come along. Um, I don't think Trelaw's not really something we're going to look at 
I think mainly because of price. So yeah. he's not going to be pushing anyone out and pushing anyone out into the into the reserve system. I don't think so. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, they say we're not going to be as busy as last year. I don't know if we could ever be as busy as last year again. So yeah, we'll go into do a few bits and pieces, fill a couple of gaps, and move on. I mean, we'll try and get hopefully a one of the, the club insiders again, like we did last season after after the trade period is over and we can all take a breath and kind of restock and, and hopefully you can get, get some insight into what this, this period is, is like for, for those guys. But I've got a question for both of you guys. I mean, I don't know if it was just me. It seemed to be all over, all over social media, but I'm, I'm sure I heard it the night of the Richmond loss, Brett Ratton in that press conference saying that, that uh, Shane Savage will move on and, um, and that he's had some interest from, from some other clubs. What, what's your take on, uh, on, on Sammy saying that he, hadn't heard that and uh, and what do you reckon the what do you reckon's happening with Shane Savage? Well, I must admit I was watching that presser I had a couple of drinks at the time. I don't remember that definitively, but I didn't see all of the press conference. But it does seem logical that with the emergence of those young defenders, but but whether the fact that Webster and Robertson have been linked elsewhere means they want to keep some experience and they might have changed their, their thinking on that. But I guess the issue is you don't want to do you know, you don't want to squeeze out too many of your depth players. Like, we're clearly, I mean, Dunstan got injured and, and couldn't get back in. He'll go back to South Australia. Jack Loney's been offered a, a longer contract by the Bulldogs than, than what the Saints are offering him. Doesn't mean he'll go, but uh, there's all that Carlisle speculation. And as we said, Webster as well. I wouldn't want to get rid of all of those options in the event that you get a bad run of injury. Savage played well in the two games he played. So I'd like to hang on to him. I mean, Carlisle would be ideal to hang on to. Tom Lynch had. 53 shots a goal against us in the semi. It would have been good to have another defender there uh, for his experience. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to clear out all of the depth options. And, and Savage, I still think, has a role. So, so maybe it was a case of that was in the plans, but but then with the likes of Webster and Robert and potentially looking elsewhere, they thought, well, we can't clear the decks too much. Yeah, well, the one, one other question is, do we know the list sizes yet? No. I mean, that, that could be sure, as simple as don't. we don't know the list size and we don't know who we're going to be picking up in the free agency or trade period or that sort of thing and saying, okay, well, he may not be back. So Look, that, that, by the way, that's a disgrace just quietly that uh, the, the trade period starts officially on the Wednesday and clubs don't know how big their list are going to be. Which yeah. Is, uh, it's great. Anyway. It seems a bit strange. Uh, this, I, I don't know. The number 35 has been, thrown around quite a bit and it's quite a significant cut. Yeah, I'm thinking 38 down from 44 with, with, I think, no rookies, I believe. Yeah, which is about as similar to what it normally is anyway when you look at it. It's it's, it's normally 40 plus four and out of 38, I think. Um, So that's not as huge a cut as the 35 that's been thrown around a fair bit. Um, But if it did end up being that sort of low, then you're sort of thinking, okay, well, they're saying... uh, Look, you're probably going to be one of those we have to cut, and then we don't know what's going to happen from an air on. So, it, yeah, it, the words he used exactly, I still don't fully know what he was saying, as we, as we can say. Yeah. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see what actually does happen. We'll take a look at some of our listener questions before we bid farewell on this episode. Hopefully, a few more summer specials, as we said, but uh, at St. John 56, does our list improve to a regular final four chance with the speculated ins versus the speculated outs? 
it's always a combination of the ins plus the natural improvement. You need to have you know, at least a quarter of your list to get better. Uh, we should expect that. I mean, as Nick said, it's not linear, but we should expect you know, Clark Caulfield, King, Patton, Marshall, uh, etc., to, to continue to, to take steps forward as players. So, um, yeah, look, we're, we're probably two games out of the top four. Yeah, I'd be disappointed if we weren't playing finals regularly, but then we just hope we can turn that into it. Uh, Cozy, or Co- Cozy 7 asked a question on McCartan, which we sort of touched on a little bit before. Um, St Kilda FC, LFC uh, says, will Hunter Clark play full-time in the midfield in 2021, boys? Your, your thoughts? It seems a natural progression. I don't it does, think it'll be it does seem the, Yeah, sorry, Ash. I was just going to say, it does seem the natural progression, but I, I agree. I don't, think it, I don't think we'll see it full-time. I think he showed at half-back how damaging he can be. He reads the reads the play really well. He was able to intercept Mark. Um, he also, I think, improved his strength and, the, and his ability to put his body and his head over the ball. And he he just fit the back sticks really nicely. I think he'll spend more time in the middle. Uh, but I think we've also got guys like Jack Bytel and Ryan Burns kind of waiting in the wings for some some midfield time too. I think Bytel is, is a, a natural midfielder. I think Clark is too, but uh, they're very different, but I think I think Clark kind of fit what we needed out of that half-back role really well this season. I can see him using a lot of the ball out of the midfield, but that's after he gets the ball at the defensive fifty, and just glides through to the glides through to the opposition like he does. So yeah, he'll get the ball in the middle, but it won't be from that position. And a couple of others that we've sort of addressed. Adam Goldman says, "What are our plans for getting the ball in Hill's hands?" Hopefully, Aaron Hamill addressed that enough earlier when we sort of mentioned it. Chucky 94 says, which players do we expect to take big steps forward next season? I think we sort of rattled off a few of those before. Damo Jones Zed says, what's the update on Vitel and the young guys? Where are they at in regards to being permanent fixtures in the team? With the Paddy Rowan experience working so well, is there a focus on developing another Ruckman? Um, I know it's more than one. Got excited, says Damo. No, that, that's fine. Uh, Sam Alabakis is obviously a young Ruckman, but McKernan would be one of those. And uh, Nick, it's probably hard to go past Bytel's debut game, a game where we got a touch-up mm-hmm. and he was probably our best player against Geelong. And, and that performance really suggested that he's uh, he's got a pretty good future. It really whets the appetite, doesn't it? Because he was, I mean, he was phenomenal against Geelong in, in a game where, like you said, we, we got pummeled um, in the contest. And he was, he was hard. He was tough. He won his own ball. He was quick with it. He knew where to be. Um, Still, obviously, things to learn. He wasn't perfect by any stretch, but um, you know, he looks like he looks like a real find. Um, and you'd imagine that that he's going to get some more opportunities this year. My my question is, with the potential inclusion of a guy like Crouch, um, and then the potential to have guys like Clark and Caulfield potentially spend more time in the middle, and and Brad Hill, obviously, um, you know, with, with more of the ball in his hands, like like we've spoken about. What the what that opportunity for for Jack Bytel and, and Ryan Burns looks like? You imagine that, that there is going to be some opportunity, but what that looks like and when and and how um, do they have to do, do those guys have to add another string to their bow to to force their way into the team, or are they going to try and beat out guys like Sebros, Luke Dunstan if he if he hangs around, um, Crouch and and Steele? You know what, what does that look like? I'd yeah. really like to see Bytel get more game time next year. He's he's got the big body. He's got that real want of the ball. He, There's he a bit showed, of Paddy Cripps about him. Yeah, he yeah. showed that against um, 
against Geelong that there they've got a big bodied midfield, but he got he threw himself in there and got a number of times. It's it, just more game time in some of these players. Um, we don't want to be looking back in a few years from now going, well, we lost him because he didn't play. Hmm. So it, it's something that we need to kind of just slowly work in and give, give that bit of extra time to these few players just to say, look, you've got a few weeks here, make it count. Show us, show us why we shouldn't drop you. So, now it's, yeah, it's, it's just a, a few players there that you go, they could be something really special, but we need them out there to actually see it. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. Now, uh, as we mentioned earlier, a uh, good opportunity for you to, uh, to pick up some prizes. You've noticed today we've moved our podcast channel. We're now on Captivate under Sportscaster Media. If you head to unplugged.captivate.fm and scroll down, to the bottom of the page. Join the mailing list and you can go into the draw to win a copy of the Saints 140-year history book by Russell Holmesby. Strength through loyalty, Saints at Moorabbin and beyond. And make sure you follow us on all of the socials, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and the winners will be drawn uh, via those platforms on Saturday the 14th of November. Uh, Boys, it's been a a long and arduous season, a season that finished in mid-October and our review show is in early November. Hopefully we chat again in our incoming weeks, but uh, good to be joined by Aaron Hamill. And thanks, guys, and uh, stay safe during this off-season as we ease towards the end of lockdown. As we ease back out into into the general population. <laughs> Start interacting with people again. Uh, thanks, guys, and, uh, and go Saints. <laughs>